Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast, where we discuss tea as self-cultivation. All the life lessons, zen, awakening, and insights that come through a life of Cha Dao. This will be the focus of this podcast, developing and cultivating ourselves and our spiritual practice through tea. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, how it's produced or made, you might want to check out our magazine, Global Tea Hut, which also includes those topics. If you're interested in the practical aspects of brewing tea, we have a whole series of videos on YouTube called Brewing Tea. We're so excited to have this forum to discuss all the life lessons that we can cultivate together through tea. Welcome, put on a kettle, get out some bowls, and let's drink some tea together. Hi, and welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. I am Janos. In this episode of Tea Wayfaring, I had the pleasure of sitting down for a chat with a dear tea brother from the Netherlands, Jasper Hermans, or Jingren, as he is known to us here at the hut. We talk about his interesting job in a social enterprise, his tea and meditation practices, about experiencing interbeing, and how his life has changed since recently becoming a father and the life lessons that he has learned in the process. Stick around until the end of the episode for some bonus questions and recommendations from him. I hope you have some nice tea to drink and a kettle on the boil. Here is my conversation with Jasper. Welcome to the podcast, Jasper, or as we here in the Tea Hut like to call you, Jingren. Thank you. Nice to be here. So tell us which part of the world are you coming in from? So I'm in the Netherlands, in a, a city in the south of the Netherlands called Eindhoven. It's a kind of a big uh, tech uh, city nowadays where actually Philips, the company Philips originated from. And um, a lot of uh, international uh, people, expats live here. And uh, uh, yeah, so that's where I am. It's sunny now and uh, spring is starting. Nice. Is that uh, the city where you're from originally or did you move there? No, I grew up near Amsterdam um, in, a, in a relatively new town. But uh, I moved here because I met uh, Tanya and she was uh, my partner and she was studying here. And uh, yeah, then we decided to move here during my studies. Hmm. Do you miss uh, living closer to Amsterdam or do you like Eindhoven better? Mm, well, so the city where I grew up, it's, uh, if you want to look it up on the map, it was Almere. It's a very boring city, kind of, because it's literally, the city is literally, and the whole land uh, where the city is on is literally less than, uh, I don't know, uh, just from the top of my head, maybe 60 years old. Actually, my dad, that, that's the, they reclaimed this land to make, uh, make this city and this whole province, this whole county. And my dad actually, my, both my parents lived in Amsterdam and they moved to Almere, the na- uh, kind of a city relatively close by because it was uh, cheap to live there. And uh, my dad even got a subsidy from the government to go and live there in that city when there uh, were not yet many people uh, living. And one thing I like about uh, the rest of the world pretty much is that in Almere there are no old trees really. There are no, it's not, his, not, not much historical buildings or, or old 
uh, trees, even, yeah, so coming here to Eindhoven or, or any other part of the world, basically, is that it was always a, nice for me to see, like, oh, this is an old tree, it's nice to, to stand underneath this. <laughs> yeah. So you appreciate the history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate old buildings and, and history and just walking through uh, a park or a tree or uh, past a tree or through a forest which has been here before me or my parents were alive. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason why I uh, wanted to get you on the podcast is because uh, you, ha you are doing a very interesting job. So can you um, tell us a little bit about your job? what it entails and how you ended up uh, working for this company. Yeah, so uh, at the moment I, I feel very fortunate now um, because the the question of livelihood and what is right livelihood for me has actually been a struggle for quite uh, maybe even close to a, a decade. Um, I actually studied something related to physiotherapy but I wasn't happy working in that profession and at the moment um, I feel very fortunate to have found my way in this uh, wonderful place uh, it's a, a it's actually a tea shop in uh, in Nijmegen it's uh, a bit more on the east of the Netherlands Middle East you could say and um, it's a it's a tea shop uh, online and both and, and offline uh, in a very old uh, building in one of the oldest uh, streets in the Netherlands probably and um, in a very narrow old building and it's a social enterprise actually so um, and it's managed cooperatively so we we uh, there's not one owner of the business or not one kind of ceo or whatever we manage it at the moment with uh, two people two three people and um, uh, and we uh, we employ people that at, for some reason or the other maybe mentally or physically they cannot work in a regular paid uh, job at the moment. And um, uh, we, we then hope to be a kind of a transition, uh, a kind of a place. We offer a place where they can explore their capacity, their interests, their capabilities freely and, uh, and learn and, and kind of learn to be in their strength and, then, uh, and hopefully fly out of our little shop again at some point to... Uh, to uh, to to a paid job or uh, some some other part of society. How did you uh, come about this business, or what was what was the impetus to go and uh, work in that company? Well, it's it's, it's actually as with many things in my life uh, that are in my life right now, it's uh, it's because of tea actually, and and more specifically also because of global tea and Wuda, you could say. Uh, because um, actually uh, the funny thing is that my colleague who originally started the, the business he's a social worker originally and um, when he started the business he was not that interested in tea actually he actually drank more enjoyed drinking coffee <laughs> but he had this idea of starting uh, a, a, a kind of a series of tea with kind of funny names that are like puns in Dutch um, and uh, and to build a, a social enterprise around this and around a little tea shop. So he did that and um, it's kind of like a standard Dutch tea shop. The Dutch p 
people are on average the Dutch tea culture is not that uh, advanced and most Dutch people prefer tea blends or herbal blends or like strawberry sencha or whatever um, uh, so that's kind of what the shop started out as and um, what the original idea was but then uh, my colleague also uh, also practices Zen and um, at some point, for some reason, when Wudo was coming here to the Netherlands to give some workshop uh, a couple of years ago, then he somehow came across a Facebook event or whatever of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Wudo's uh, events. And he was like, oh, okay, Zen and tea. I didn't know it was a thing. Maybe that's a way for me to, to get uh, interested more in tea, in the products that I'm selling, basically. Um, and... Uh, uh, and yeah, and so he came to one of these workshops and we got into contact and and then later there was a question of like, uh, hey, we need to give a tea tasting, uh, would you want to help? And uh, well, and then slowly it kind of continued. I got more and more involved and I kind of, so I kind of joined the team because I was the only person that knew something about tea, <laughs> that had some knowledge about tea. And, um, uh, and then it continued and... Uh, yeah, and then I started to work there, and then, uh, then uh, my colleague wanted to to form a, a, a new board with more people, and uh, then I joined the kind of board to manage the business, and and uh, and it continued from there. Yeah. Hmm. And what do you do there? Um, what's your job like? Yeah, that's a funny thing, actually. We so it's um, our daily structures that we start today, and we actually always start with. Nowadays, also, we start with a very smart, short mindfulness exercise of like three minutes. And then we do a kind of a circle, sharing circle, where we just briefly share like how we're doing and, uh, you know, how we're sitting here, if we, if we feel well or not so well or whatever is up at the moment. And we also started to, uh, to practice to, at the end of the shift, uh, share what we did kind of in, in this morning or in this afternoon. We always have two shifts, like a morning shift and a, an afternoon shift. And some people work the whole day and some people half day. Um, but uh, the funny thing is both my colleague and I, we, we realized like we're doing so many things. So many things are always happening that we kind of forget what we're doing. So it's hard for me to actually explain what exactly I'm, I'm doing there. But um, so I joined the team because I knew something about tea. So I'm... At, at this moment, my part of my job is also uh, uh, buying the tea, uh, selecting some of the teas together with, with uh, some of the volunteers and uh, making descriptions that, and kind of stock keeping and uh, planning and all that kind of stuff. But um, it, it has been changing all the time as well. But my main responsibility together with my colleague is to kind of manage to kind of make sure we have a good strategy and and that we don't get uh, uh, bankrupt and um, uh, yeah, do planning and do meetings and also uh, just kind of, uh, how to say, guide the, the, the day, that the day goes well and uh, everything is taken care of. It's a lot, mm -hmm. a, a lot uh, happens at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. How big is the, the workforce there? How many people do you have working uh, on a daily basis? Yeah, actually, we are going through some changes. So we recently started to hire a new uh, uh, office where we work and where we also plan to 
uh, have more uh, of our uh, volunteers or employees working. Um, but at the moment we have still one very small, narrow, old building with uh, with uh, three, four floors. And, um, and, and there's, the space is quite limited there. So we, we have uh, uh, about like five volunteers working there uh, on a given day or part of the day. And then uh, maybe uh, three or four other people, which is me and my colleague or uh, another social worker or uh, yeah, an intern. Mm -hmm. So the people who find their way to work in your business, um, you basically provide them with training and, and a workplace where they can build up some skills that they can then later utilize to find a job and, and go work in, um, in a regular business. Is that, uh, is that correct? Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, actually, so my job originally, or my profession originally is not uh, a social worker, but all my other colleagues, uh, or most of my other colleagues, uh, are originally social workers. So that's mostly their uh, job as well. Yeah. And, uh, and indeed that they, that they really have a free space to explore, uh, what their capacity are and what they want and, and, uh, what they're good at and kind of helping them also often to find their strength. And that's actually really something really beautiful to see that people come in and, and then, uh, they're a bit stuck and they, they don't know what to do. And then, you know, they, they find something they're good at and, and, and it's really beautiful to see how, uh, how that then, uh, kind of, uh, uh, flourishes. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Do the people who uh, find their way to your business uh, already like tea or are they just happy to have a opportunity to train and, and work in a business? Yeah, I guess it's a, a bit of a blend of both. So there, there's, there's always some interest for tea, I guess, to some extent, but it, uh, it varies. Some people are, have more interest in tea than others. And, um, uh, but it's, I guess, mainly the, the safe environment we, uh, we, we offer and the kind of team spirit and atmosphere. It really feels like a, like a, like a community and, uh, uh, in a sense, sometimes not so different from what I experience within the global theater community, this kind of brotherly, sisterly, safe, safe environment. And, um, uh, I guess that's, that's mostly it, but it's, it's kind of my secret mission maybe to instill some, some tea spirit and, uh, kind of, uh, uh, spread, uh, spread the tea vibes. Um, there's actually, it's funny. It's one of my titles. Uh, I don't know where this title is written, but, um, I don't know the the English word for it. It's like uh, an evangelist. Do you know the word in Estonian? Uh, no. It's like somebody who I think, if I cr understand the word correctly, uh, promotes re the religion, kind of. You know, like uh, uh, promotes Christianity. Like some of these people that travel to uh, abroad to promote Christianity in other countries. In Dutch, yes, yes. I think in Dutch we call this an evangelist. So my title is then a tea evangelist. So the <laughs> the word tea in front of that. So that's kind of my secret mission to promote uh, tea. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, that that title is is kind of a funny take on like you being someone who converts people to tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To some <laughs> that's my that's my undercover secret mission, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see. 
So do you serve uh, tea to um, people at, at work? Um, so we always drink tea during the breaks and during the kind of little sharing circles, but that's usually quite uh, uh, casual. Um, I, I have not served that much tea actually um, for my colleagues, but actually recently it happened maybe once or twice, but um, I recently did get the idea also with what's happening um, uh, in, in Ukraine now to um, organize uh, uh, a tea sessions uh, there in Nijmegen as well, where either our customers or, or other people in Nijmegen as well as the volunteers can come and then all the donations would go to, uh, to good causes. Um, and um, yeah, but I haven't served that much kind of ceremonial tea there yet. Well, you've actually been drinking tea for a long time. Can you talk a little bit about how you first um, found your way to um, the tea ceremony or how you came in, in contact with uh, Global Tea Hut? Yeah, I guess it started when um, after high school I had some break years and one of the things I did, it ended up being three break years before I started studying again. And what I, one of the things I did is I went to multiple times to uh, a Buddhist monastery in the south of France called Plum Village, where um, recently uh, he recently passed away. The Zen teacher Thich Nhat Hanh uh, uh, lived. And um, throughout those three years, meditation practice really became a mindfulness practice, became a daily part of my life and kind of a essential part of my life. And um, I always, I was raised... Um, I think with a appreciation for food and fine drinks as well. So when I was quite young, I already liked the taste of good wine or good whiskey even. And um, I also, I can have a geeky, there's a geeky part of my uh, mind that can easily geeks out on things. So I like this aspect of like fine taste and exploring this. But throughout those three years, as the meditation became a daily part of my life, I kind of without really deliberately making a decision, I stopped drinking, uh, consuming uh, alcohol or, or any other intoxicants. And, and uh, I guess I kind of was looking for a substitute maybe. So it's, that's how it started with, I first went to my local tea shop in, back then in Almere, which was one of these st standard Dutch tea shops. And I still remember the first time uh, my dad actually bought a bag of, uh, uh, it must have been a Shopur. Uh, uh, not a good quality shopware, <laughs> and that it was smelling like a horse uh, stable. Um, <laughs> I still remember that moment well, actually. So I got into this kind of tea interest for from a kind of geeky perspective, not knowing what else was there, and um, I was. It, it, so it went from this local tea shop to googling and reading about Gong Fu tea, and then at some point learning about uh, Pu Er tea and. Um, and then placing my first order on some online web shop uh, with a kind of a uh, cheap yeasting teapot and, and, and it continued from there. Uh, this kind of a, more like a geeky road, you could say. And up to the point that towards the end of the, those three years, I was interested enough in tea that I was like, I want to go traveling abroad, uh, abroad outside of Europe for the first time for me. And I was like, where do I go? I was thinking maybe some some monastery in uh, in Nepal or uh, whatever, but I could not really find a place that I was like, yeah, this feels like 
a click or this is where I want to go. Then I was like, hmm, maybe I do something else. I go to a tea country. It's like, well, where do I go? Maybe, maybe Taiwan. Then it looks like a friendly, friendly people, friendly country and at nice mountains. This also helped. And um, actually found an organic farm to do some woofing, some volunteering on. Um, so I decided, okay, I will go to Taiwan. And I booked my ticket like six months in advance, my plane ticket. And then in the meantime, I continued learning about tea online and I came across the, the Leaf magazine, the online magazine that Wuda used to uh, publish. And I was like, what are these? What is this? Who are these people? What are these? This is amazing. What are all these? Okay, interesting. And then two weeks before my flight to Taiwan, actually, I was again uh, on the on the Leaf magazine website reading. I was like, this curiosity kind of came up again, like, who are these people? This is such interesting stuff. And then I clicked and I clicked and I clicked. And then I ended up on the website of, uh, I think it was the Tea Sage Hut website. And there was one of these uh, very first videos about uh, Tea Sage Hut or Global Tea Hut. And then, so then that was just two weeks before my flight to Taiwan. I was like, wait a minute, there's a center for Zen and tea there. I didn't even know it was a thing, Zen and tea. But I'm going there in two weeks and I'm definitely going to visit that place. Uh, yeah. So then I went to Taiwan. I, I visited the tea sage hut quickly. And then I went to this organic farm, which turned out not to be an organic farm. And then I left quickly to just go back to, uh, to the hut and uh, stay there for the rest of the, uh, my stay five more weeks uh, in Taiwan. I, that's just all I did then. I just stayed at the hut. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And then I came back home and it was, uh, yeah, my life changed, as you could say, yeah. So what were the bigger, biggest changes after that first visit to uh, the TCH hut? Well, the, this whole, the whole big world opened up, like, uh, just the whole interest for tea was just super strong and curiosity, like, the, like this whole new world opened up, both from the geeky perspective as well as the experience of drinking tea ceremonially and uh, yeah, I was I think I was mainly going home with a lot of enthusiasm and some uh, good tea <laughs> and uh, yeah and actually back then there was only one other Global Tea member the, the the oldest Dutch Global Tea member uh, in terms of subscription age you could say and uh, I still remember meeting him up and it was like this super special moment like <gasps> another Global Tea member in the Netherlands and and being able to drink tea and geek out on tea and uh, and and sit sit to drink tea in silence, yeah. But it was I think it was a a big uh, ex period of exploration, kind of being at home and uh, sitting by myself drinking tea tea in silence and maybe inviting my mom or my sister or some friends to taste it and uh, to to experience it. Um, but. Um, yeah, I think one, one of the major changes in perspective or kind of what changes that I came basically, you could say, from practicing with Thich Nhat Hanh and, and in, in this Plum Village tradition, so to say. And Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about interbeing and also, you know, about the having a cup of tea and recognizing that the cloud is in the tea and the sun and etc. etc. Um, but what was so amazing that now with this practice of tea, I really felt that it was not just 
anymore of like it was not just looking at something with the eyes of interbeing it was experiencing this interbeing of like wow this tea is becoming part of me it's what i feel this thing's happening in my kind of psychosomatic experience and um just really feeling this literally feeling in my body that uh, you know that the terroir and the sun and the stars and what you know that just this all everything is just in this cup of tea and it's in 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 my experience kind of so this shift from looking at things with interbeing to experiencing interbeing that's I, I guess sums it up yeah wow yeah so you went from thinking or like the level of philosophy or just understanding the idea of interbeing to actually experiencing it through tea yeah yeah and not just experience it once in a short moment, but kind of experience it, experience it for an hour. Yeah, I'll just the duration also, just to rest in this experience and uh, kind of get used to it or something. It really, uh, to the extent that it at some point was not, uh, it was kind of hard to not look at the world with this view most of the time, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And then after your first visit, you also decided to um, come back to the hut um, multiple times. And then you even stayed here for an extended period of time, right? Um, I think it was like six months or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember how long it was. I know, I think maybe it was three months, actually. Yeah. Uh -huh. But yeah, I, uh, so at first, after my first visit to the hut, I, I um, started to... Uh, studying actually for four years so then i went back every summer or i once went back during christmas uh and uh yeah I, I kind of went back every year or so for those four years during my studies and uh and then when i was done with my studies i came back for a, lo a bit longer yeah yeah was there ever a point where you thought that wow i might like just stay here and, and live in the hut live in, in taiwan permanently definitely yeah yeah that has definitely been uh been on my mind yeah uh, also even uh, also with Plum Village I was contemplating maybe wanting to become a monk or and then when I came across the tea search out it was always to some extent you could say maybe even a dream or like uh, after I'm done with my studies that's probably what I will do but then uh, yeah life took a different turn at some point <laughs> yeah uh, and now and now you're a, a dad you're a father of yeah. uh, a young, a really young uh, son. How yeah. old is Leo, by the way? Now he's uh, like seven and a half months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How so? How has uh, your tea and meditation practice changed since um, becoming a father? Yeah, it it has definitely changed. <laughs> to start with that, um, and I think it's it's still changing. It's still always changing um, I think one aspect is that I simply drink tea more often more casually because there is uh, it's harder to really uh, designate uh, the space for it it's uh, continues to be a practice um, yeah but uh, I definitely I, I definitely do my best to continue sitting and I've also managed to continue 
to practice sitting meditation. Actually, in the morning, we now have kind of a routine where, because um, Tanya doesn't work yet, where uh, if I go to work in the morning, I wake up, and then if Leo wakes up uh, early enough, I take him, and then I get up with him, I uh, dress him, and I play with him, and um, brush my teeth and eat breakfast. And then before I have to go, shortly before I have to go, I bring him to uh, uh, back to Tanya. So he hopefully falls asleep again so Tanya can get some more sleep. And then I uh, uh, practice uh, sitting meditation before I go to work for 20 minutes or so. And um, Or if Leo sleeps longer, I first go sitting. And then when he wakes up, I, I take him. So it's kind of a, a fountainized rhythm to kind of guarantee that I can still get sitting time in the morning but also yeah. can be there to help Tanya. And this uh, this is helpful, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You definitely need to be creative with these things. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, true. Uh, being creative is definitely an aspect of it. And also maybe letting go of the, this is how it should be, mind, kind of. <laughs> Have an open mind. And, uh, uh, you know, there's this expectation like, oh, I'll... Uh, you know he's sleeping now, so let's have tea, and then of course he wakes up. Or yeah, it's uh, always unexpected uh, things happening, and um, yeah. Mm. Well, I've, I've actually seen um, at least one photo of of the three of you together at a tea table. Do the three of you uh, sometimes have tea together? Yeah, yeah, especially also in the weekends, um, but also. Uh, yeah, I drink a lot of tea at, in the evening. Usually Leo sleeps then, so most of the time it's then uh, in, in the weekends. And uh, yeah, if he doesn't sleep, then he joins us for tea. Yeah, And uh, uh, what I then try to do is already is to get, to let him smell the aromas of the tea after I finish the cup. <laughs> and he <laughs> puts the, the, the cup in his mouth and uh, chews, chews the cup. <laughs> <laughs> I guess at this age, uh, anything you you give him that's you know mildly pleasant he will he will like it yeah yeah true yeah, yeah. but it also sounds like it's kind of a training um, for you're getting him used to tea the aroma and everything so at this age i i think that you know kids are such sponges they just like absorb everything so i'm sure that when he's a little bit older and can drink tea he will he will definitely love it yeah let's hope so there will definitely be enough tea for him to uh, to drink by then. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, what are the biggest lessons uh, your son has has taught you so far? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question. I I think I will. I think there are there are two lessons that kind of uh, uh, are kind of uh, related to each other. And the first lesson is maybe. The second one is maybe a bit more stereotypical, but the less, the first one maybe less. Um, first one is that actually I experienced, for me, the process of leading up to kind of the delivery and Leo being there, the, the pregnancy, was maybe for me even more challenging than what the what happened afterwards. Um, and the the process leading up to the birth, for me, actually involves especially if I look at it uh, now, uh, there was quite some anxiety and fear also of uh, what was to change and not knowing what it is huge change, but not knowing what it implies and how it will be. 
and people like to ask sometimes these questions to each other. I, I find is that like, uh, yeah, would you like to have kids one day? And it, to me now, it, this question seems so, from one perspective, so uh, ridiculous in a sense. It's like this question of does a dog have Buddha nature? And the answer is moo. Like, all right, yeah, I don't think it's possible to really comprehend how it is to become a parent or uh, to be responsible for uh, such a little human being for the rest of your life. It's so it's so hard to comprehend. It doesn't make sense to ask this question or to uh, anticipate kind of, uh, it, it's not possible. It's like such a big thing. It's not possible to, to comprehend and, and it's always uh, going to be different and it's always changing. So for me, yeah, I think I was struggling with some fear and anxiety beforehand, and then it actually turned out to be wonderful. And uh, and and uh, yeah, kind of the lesson then to that it's it's not possible to really know what we're getting into and know what what life leads to, and uh, and just to be open and receptive to to what is going to happen and what is what is there at this moment, um, and that there will always be a way to kind of work work with this moment yeah so that was that's the kind of the first uh the first lesson that it's just not uh it's just you know does a dog have buddha nature the answer is mu and you know how how is it to be a father it's like mu or how you know do you like to have kids it's like mu oh yeah just it's everything, it's nothing, it's empty, it's full, it's whatever it is. Um, and not really possible to grasp with the mind. And then the, the second one is that that uh, it's maybe a bit more cliche, but that, uh, that really life is a, a miracle in a sense. And it's like you see that with Leo, he's always so incredibly curious and receptive and super open. And he doesn't have a lot of concentration yet. <laughs> So he is very receptive and open and curious and can easily switch focus to something else. There's not a lot of concentration, but there's definitely a lot of, uh, maybe you could say mindfulness or awareness. He's always in the present moment and um, and it's always exploring the world and, and every little thing you give him, he's completely fascinated by it. And you know, we, we are stuck, I'm stuck in my mind, in my daily routine, in my, I should do this, I should do that. And then I wake up maybe tired to, to get to work tomorrow. And there's Leo just happily smiling and playing around and, you know, looking at the world like it's completely new again, which for him it is because he, he already changed during the course of one night, his uh, brain and body and, uh, and whatever. So it's, uh, it's always a, it's always a, always a miracle. And to see this, uh, it's just in, an inspiring reminder every time and to kind of uh, go along with it and just forget about uh, the rest sometimes and really focus on, uh, on what just is here happening now. Yeah. Wow. What an incredible experience it must be to, you know, have that little bundle. We like to say bundle of joy. <laughs> It's, it's probably not always <laughs> like that always joyful experience but but just to have like this little person growing in front of your eyes and and being responsible for for that little person and and seeing the quick changes wow 
Yeah. Yeah, and learning from that. And and you already mentioned that um, one of the things that you have to kind of accept as a as a parent of a very young child is to let go of any sort of expectations of like, well, you know, right now this is happening and then I'm going to go and do this or I'm, I'm going to go and sit down and drink tea in, in half an hour, uh, which isn't always uh, possible with uh, with little children. Is that um, like an ongoing lesson that you're you're learning or you do you feel that you've like pretty much have a grasp on it now and can like easily shift and and change your plans in the moment mm, no i think it's definitely a continuous process to to learn this yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um actually i also introduced you by your tea name jingren i guess most listeners don't uh know you by that name um if they know you at all, but uh, can you talk a little bit about the meaning behind your tea name and, and how you got your tea name? Yeah, um, so the I got my name um, when I was when I took uh, precepts uh, with Wuda and uh, in the in the global TSH tradition, and um, the meaning of the name is uh, uh, you can translate it into pure kindness. Did Wu offer any explanation why he chose this name for you? Yeah, I think the the name kind of can symbolize for me a, a strength or some some quality that I can that can flower within me if I do my job well, if I practice well. And uh, <laughs> it's actually funny because uh, sometimes uh, in the past years when uh, I've been uh, fighting with uh, Tanya, my partner, and uh, or we, yeah, we got into fights or arguments, or I just was not being kind. Then uh, Tanya kind of uh, sarcastically calls me this by this name, just the translation of it, like uh, pure kindness. <laughs> Are you being pure kindness? So it's a kind of a yeah, it's kind of an ideal to uh, to uh, uh, to strive for. Yeah, or maybe a seed that's there that if I practice well, it can. Uh, flourish in, 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 in multiple uh, different f- forms. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite beautiful. Okay, a um, couple of quick questions before we uh, wrap this episode up. Um, what is in your bowl these days? What kind of tea are you drinking? Do you have any um, favorite categories or do you drink tea seasonally? Or do you have some favorites that are perennial, like we say? Just uh, something that you drink year round. Yeah, I definitely drink tea seasonally. So the past months, uh, this winter, I've been drinking a lot of show uh, and age Shangpur. And um, uh, actually, I drink tea a lot in the evening during the week, especially. Um, and it's also one of my favorite times to drink tea somehow, drinking tea in the evening. Um, especially uh, some recently a little bit more casually kind of relaxing and drinking some Gong Fu tea while listening to jazz or something. So I've been drinking a lot of uh, uh, aged show, like uh, uh, especially if it's then Huang Pian to, uh, to, uh, to drink in the evening, uh, like, uh, uh, what is it? Is it Autumn? Autumn? Autumn Bridge? Autumn the, Bridge. The 90s brick and, uh, and Happy Trails as well. I really Recently, I've been enjoying these uh, kind of 90s uh, uh, shows 
uh, I guess mostly and and aged Sean as well. Yeah. Hmm. You mentioned listening to jazz. Do you have any uh, album recommendations? Any recommendations for music for tea? Um, doesn't have to be jazz, but any tea for music that you like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've so I've been recently listening a lot more jazz and in the past I didn't do so much but I feel very suitable for these maybe even more more kind of relaxing uh, uh, Kung Fu sessions especially at night but uh, one one album I recently came somebody told me that he uh, he drinks tea actually uh, he's a tea person it's uh, Oda Tsu I don't know if I, I probably butcher his name but I, I he's somewhere from the Middle East and he has an album with a cool name called um, Here Be Dragons. And it's kind of a mellow jazz album. It could could maybe work as well in a slightly formal setting, but uh, at least a bit more casual as well, a bit more kind of relaxed. And, um, and actually the last uh, song of the album is a really beautiful uh, uh, iteration on uh, the song by Elvis, Can't Help Falling In Love. It's really a soft, gentle, uh, kind of... Uh, for me, really uh, uh, helps to remember that uh, uh, that that love is such a precious thing, and to love ourselves and the, the tea and the send love out and back into the world, which is, I guess, very well needed at this time. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I will put the name of this album in the description of this episode as well to make it easier to find. Any books that you're reading at the moment? Um, any recommendations? Yeah, so um, with what is going on at the moment in the world uh, in Ukraine, and um, I, I, I noticed myself, I've been really coming back to the teachings of Thich Nhat Hanh, actually, which are for me also feels like a kind of a, a starting ground for my, my practice, but um, also because Thich Nhat Hanh, I feel, is really... Um, has been in with struggling with how to practice in a in a in a time where peace is not uh, not there and to uh, yeah I think he's a really wonderful example of how to uh, continue um, uh, good conduct and and keep uh, acting and promoting uh, peace uh, in a peaceful way and um, so I, I I have actually been wanting to reread uh, a book which I've uh, read a couple of times already kind of come back to it in these times is uh, a book called uh, Fragrant Palm Leaves which is uh, basically a collection of journals from uh, from uh, yeah some period in in where the Vietnam War was happening and um, to me it's very beautiful because it's so personal these these journals and to read about his struggles and and then the the deep insight and uh, skillful action he he has and uh, the deep motivation to to practice and be be and promote uh, peace so that has been very inspiring mm, yes um, that's a, a great recommendation and also a good reminder that uh, you know not to take peace for granted at any moment or any time in history um, so that's a yeah it's a good Good recommendation. Thank you for that. And um, I want to thank you, Jingren, for this um, interesting conversation. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you. 
I uh, will raise a ball to all of you and uh, and hope uh, we can uh, take care of ourselves and uh, start from peace within ourselves and continue practicing and uh, spreading the love from there. Yes, I uh, also encourage anyone drinking tea to put out another bowl for peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea Wayfaring. I hope you enjoyed it and I would love to hear your thoughts about this format. If you have any comments or suggestions, please drop me a line at connect at globalteahut.org. If you like the podcast and wish to support our efforts of building a free tea center, then consider subscribing to the magazine at globalteahut.org.